surprised this thing hasn't run out of batteries just yet. Oh, hey, how you doing? Didn't see you there. It's yours truly, Dave Morrison, checking in. Hopefully you guys are having an awesome summer. Welcome back to the Frosted Side. We missed you. Yes, we know. We've been away for a long time. Dave Linquist and I, of course, I'm flying solo. There's a good reason for that. Dave Linquist, my partner in crime, the man who makes the Frosted Side possible on so many levels, him and his wife, Jess, they welcomed a new bundle of joy into the world. Lucy Linquist, mom and dad, are doing just fine. Little baby Lucy is keeping mom and dad up at night on average. I'd say they get about two and a half hours of sleep. Hopefully things can go back to normal for those two. But congratulations on your new bundle of joy. Everything's fine on this end. And we haven't forgotten about you at all. We have a new episode for you right now. As you can tell, this episode was recorded just before Dave and Jessica welcomed their new bundle of joy into the world. Our guest this week is Charles T. Rivers from the Charles Rivers Show, formerly of WEMF Internet Radio in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which sadly is no more, but you can check out the Charles Rivers Show online at thecharlesriversshow.com. He has a lot of great interviews and a lot of great podcasts. Charles Rivers is a musician, writer here in the Boston area. We didn't know what we were going to get when we brought Charles on, actually. I knew Charles online, and usually when we invite people onto the Frosted Side, we know them in person before we converse with them on the internet. We flip-flop the whole thing this time. I had been meaning to meet Charles for a long time, but scheduling conflicts kept that from ever happening. So, we brought him on our podcast, and it was well worth it. So, for those who've been listening since May of 2018, you know what we do here at the Frosted Side. We bring on a guest, they review a cartoon, and a sugary cereal. And we'll get into that in a second. But this time, Charles wanted to mix it up a little bit. He picked Golden Grams, which was his sugary cereal. But for a cartoon, he didn't pick a cartoon. He picked the WLVI-TV 56 Saturday Creature Double Feature, which from the 1970s all the way up through, I think, 2005, maybe 2006. It was shown on our local CW affiliate, WLVI-TV 56, back when it was independently owned. The Saturday Creature Double Feature would show the horror films of the 1970s and 80s as you were just maybe waking up at one in the afternoon. So it's not Saturday morning, it's Saturday afternoon, but it was fun, it was campy, and it was a little different from what we normally do here at the Frosted Side. We went off track as we normally do. We didn't know where the program was gonna take us, but we're glad that it went in all sorts of different directions, and it turned out really well. We think you guys will enjoy, so sit back and relax and enjoy Charles T. Rivers. Oh, and one more thing. You'll notice that we've mixed up the theme song here on the Frosted Side. So we've been using stock music since we started podcasting back in May of last year. And it was okay, but I reached out to my friend DJ Hummus. He's a German and Turkish and Syrian rapper. Yeah, that's quite a mix. And he mixed up our theme song. Give it a little bit of a kick. And hopefully you guys will enjoy as well. So sit back and relax. Pull up a seat in front of the television. Not too close. And don't pick out the marshmallows, because here comes the Frosted Side, with your hosts, Dave Morrison and Dave Linquist. Don't touch that dial. Grab a seat in front of the television, not too close. And don't pick out the marshmallows, because here comes the Frosted Side, with the Daves, Dave Morrison and Dave Linquist. 
Saturday morning, it's a magical ride. So hop on board with the frosted side. Dave M. Dave L. Watch the Saturday shows and give you useful facts that only Ross knows. Then bring on a guest, review a cartoon and a sugary cereal. Grab a spoon, don't touch that channel. Grab some chow, the frosted side. It begins now. Welcome to the Frosted Side. It is Dave Morrison here with Dave Linquist, and we have a special guest. Well, every week is a special guest, and today we have the one, the only, Charles Rivers from WEMF Radio in Cambridge and host of the Charles Rivers Show slash podcast. We'll call it podcast. It becomes one. It sure. becomes one, and he is a Boston music and arts a luminary, if there is such a word. But thank you so much for joining us today on this beautiful Saturday. By the way, Dave Linquist, new humble abode. And before we get into what you picked this week and for your cereal, we'll uh, give Dave the mic to talk about the latest updates because a lot has happened. A lot. This is yeah. So so for, so forgive me for slightly hijacking the intro here, Charles. But uh, yeah, so we're in the new digs. Uh, just moved in. My wife's having a baby in a month or so, and uh, the podcast has played a big role in it recently. I, I haven't told you yet, this yet, Dave. But uh, our our baby was uh, our baby was breech, which is turned kind of up in the wrong direction up, right. and they're like, you, you know, you can do different things to sort of like get it to flip and one of the suggestions was kind of like putting headphones on, on uh jess's stomach and then like you know she'll kind of move toward the noise if it's lower so we could tell she was moving around with like music sure. so jess is like let's throw an episode of your podcast on she responds to your voice we did it and got this just as like she's doing something i've like never felt before the next day went in, got the ultrasound, and she flipped into the right direction. So I'm thinking we can attribute it to the podcast. Right. <laughs> it's Why pretty guys, great. That's great. That is great. I think people who might be joining us for the first time, Charles. So I, 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 I met Dave at Trivia Night. We were talking about trivia just before we went on the air. Of course, you, you do your Trivia mm -hmm. Night. And uh, we met at Simpsons Trivia Night. Our last guest was David Duncan Ver from 92.5 The River. He hosted Simpsons Trivia Night where... Dave and I were huge Simpsons fans, and around April of 2017, we kind of established a friendship on, on Facebook, on social media, like everybody else has in this room, it's, which is how we met. And I, I, said to, I said to Dave, because I was having a case of insomnia, why don't we come up with this idea where we review classic 80s, 90s, 70s, uh, nostalgia cartoons, and, and anything else on Saturdays, and cereals, because the two go great together, and uh, and uh, we came up with the idea of the frosted side, and the rest is history, and you, for, for people listening, this is the first person I've actually invited on that I've never met in person until today. You reached out to me, I want to say about two years ago when I was working at another radio station in Nashua, WSMN. You actually, and, and this was so kind of you, unfortunately I was not able to do that, uh, you invited me onto the Charles Rivers show. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately I was not able to make it, but uh, you're here now, so it's all good. There's been a lot of guests who haven't been able to make it. Be, you know, when you do a live show, it's hit or miss, mm -hmm. you know, so... Um, 
with that said, it'd be great to have you on at some point oh, because I'm moving away from like just focusing on doing just live. I feel the you know pre-production, you know pre-productions where it's at, and you can you have the flexibility of the entire week to you know basically get get your guests and stuff and you know you've got some good guests i was uh, poking around online recently and, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who you've got booking or whatever but there's some, I do some all the really booking. interesting topics in there and yeah i do all, all the... over the place in a good way right right you know so well thank you i i do all the booking um there's there's certain things that i excel at but to be quite honest there's certain things that i don't excel at and I, I spent the time a long time trying to bring people aboard, and you know it's just been sort of like fun and games. Brought the wrong people on board, and then uh, Charles had to do all the work himself. But um, I burned out a little bit, and that that's where the not doing the live thing every week. If it's just going to be more of me producing stuff, sure. needs to be more thought out. And you know what, like. What are we doing live for on the internet? Streaming radio. No one's paying me a salary. No one's. I'm. I, I mean, it's fun, but when it comes down to the nut of it, people want to hear an interview. They don't want to hear two hours or three hours of just banter about what you do no. this weekend. I mean, that's great. That brings yourself into the mix, but then you need to get to topic. And you also, know? you need to stand out because in this day and age of podcasting, where everybody has the next great idea and everybody mm-hmm. thinks that they're NPR or they're going to be the next serial podcaster yeah, or yeah. whatever they well, uh, you mentioned, comes out. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say you mentioned WEMF Radio. Sure. Um, they're no longer as of last July. Yeah. So I, I, I'm kind of, a, you know, a podcast with other home. Well, well that's <laughs> the, and let's talk about WEMF Radio yeah. because you probably spent more time there and mm. you were probably more dedicated to WEMF Radio and talk a little bit about uh, what it was and how it, it brought so much sure. to the music and arts community here in the greater Boston area. Well, there, there's been a lot of people um, throughout the greater Boston area uh, that's trying to do some sort of streaming radio, you know, whatever you want to call it, internet radio, not terrestrial, but it's on the internet where it's it it's a hobby. And I think a fine, a, the lines get blurred between, you know, doing radio and podcasting because, you know, we don't have to discuss it into too much detail, but there is a little difference between oh, the yeah, two. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're doing something like that, you've got to be, uh, you've got to promote stuff that's going on in the city arts wise. And it doesn't take it. it four, three or four people can't do that. As you know, if you're going to take on that model, then you want to be a radio station. And that's what WEMF want, you know, was trying to gear towards. Um, there was just a lot of uh, distractions along the way as far as, um, you know, how, how, do you, how do you maintain an internet radio station um, to promote the lo- local art scene? You can do it, but um, I think a lot of us ran into some difficulty. Um, I don't have the answers. <laughs> well, it's hard. I was just talking to uh, Tony Jones, who's another luminary in the Providence music scene, which mm-hmm. is now picking up where a lot of Boston, Cambridge, and Somerville music- musicians uh, have kind of, not deserted, but deserted kind of de facto because of the mm. way the rents are going uh, going through the roof in that area right now. And there seems to be a lot of that soul missing from Cambridge and Somerville it, the, uh, and the musicians they're, they're they make it work mm-hmm. and when you can't make it work it's not going to be because of 
the creativity or lack thereof. It's mm. because of the rising rents and the way right, that many right. other cities are experiencing this gentrification. Uh, it just it breaks your heart because right. I know Dave Crespo for WEMF. Go ahead. Well, pr- I was going to say prior to WEMF, you know, um, the unregular radio was um, what goes back to maybe 2006, okay, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. And they were they made a presence in Boston of being like this, you know, I mean, there was other internet radios like Radio Free Alston or like the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't get what it, what it all was back then. I'm like streaming. I'm yeah. like, I don't know what that means. I'm try- I, I can't even figure the internet out. I'm not ready to stream. 10 years later yeah i'm I'm ready um but dig boston you know the weekly yeah yeah i I worked for them for years um you know since 2000 and i was tightly involved with them and i came back aboard 2013 because they they launched their radio unregular radio came aboard but they had split up they all it was like six of them they kind of a you know um a bad romance and then um Okay. I wasn't going to go there. It's one of the the first things you mentioned to me on Facebook, that sort of going sour with with the dig. But Mm. I didn't want to go too in-depth or let you do that, or if you wanted to. But uh, we're all connected one in one Dig Boston's been cleansed. It's it's owned by a different group of folks now. Oh, I got you. Say no more. But, yeah, that always – that sucks when new management comes in and they have – those different ideas and but you know what here we are with all this online. technology we can do it in the comfort of yeah. dave's home <laughs> right well, i mean giving up all that this kind of naturally leads into the topic you picked too <clears throat> like you know, horror so, yeah well i mean you know normally we're doing we're doing cartoons and you know this is the same sort of like saturday nostalgia um, mm-hmm. for those unfamiliar uh, charles picked uh, creature double feature which was uh TV 56 staple in the uh, 70s and supposedly through the early 80s. I'll contend it must have lasted through the mid 80s because I remember the thing. But uh, yeah, and then they brought it back in 07 or so. Could be a Mandela (laughs) effect of some kind, you know? Honestly, that could be it. I mean, these stations are probably airing that same sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. but you just don't get that local programming anymore, like even, you know, in TV or whatever. Right, right. Well, yeah, so I mean, WLVI, TV 56. that was originally W W K B G, and it was owned, I believe, or partly owned by the Boston Globe. Um, I've got the wiki here. You're right on all counts there. <laughs> well, I, the thing is, I don't remember. So, I mean, if you've got the information there, I don't have. I don't really know. Um, I, I I remember what I remember. Yeah. Um, so WKBG was probably um, 60s, maybe early 70s. And then Creature, Creature Feature was this syndicated horror show um, through Philadelphia, oh, yeah, yeah. Chicago's uh, WGN, which I still think's in the house. And then... Um, right. These places have been bought out and sistered and fathered and whatever. Um, so WLVI came aboard with... Um, calling creature feature syndication creature creature double feature um but before that it was called a four o'clock uh movie on saturdays um so 
horror uh, like a double feature horror film is not a cartoon you know um however the reason why i chose it was because i didn't stop watching tv after the cartoons um my father intervened between 11 and 12 to put on um the low budget vince mcmahon's wwf you know when it was filmed in like a gymnasium (laughs) like up the street or wherever it was filmed um but that so as you got older, you started gravitating, gravitating towards these programs. So whatever era you grew up, I mean, the Saturday morning cartoons were alive and well from the late 60s, and they sort of took a plunge in the mid-80s, but still were around throughout the 90s. And if you guys grew up throughout the 90s, there were a lot of classic, now looking back, cartoons. But in the mid-80s, I felt it all came to a close. I was going through puberty. I was yeah. putting my G.I. Joes away. Yeah. So that is when I stepped off of like Saturday morning cartoons. You're getting up a little later at that age. Getting up a little later too, right? You know, I have my first bear at thirteen. There you go. But anyhow, the um the beauty of that was that Saturday was an amazing day when I was younger. I don't know how it was for you guys, but I looked forward to it. It was like Christmas morning every week. Yeah, I, I mean, especially from the this kind of entertainment point of view too. Like now you've got like, you know, just kind of on-demand viewing, you know, watch whatever you want, whenever. Like, these things felt like a discovery, man. Like, it was brought to these, your, yeah, brought yeah. to your television set. And you said, okay, I'll watch this. You didn't have all these choices. Like, nope, nope, nope. Now we just, we fish through um, Netflix and we we base on um, what we want to watch based on um, right. the either the, the lousy trailer they give us or the, 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 the cover of the, the movie poster. The will be starting in 30 seconds or whatever. Your yeah. will be starting soon. Yeah. And we I would, understand it's revenue. It's got to make money somehow. But I agree. You lose a little bit of that local flair. And I could go on a major tangent about deregulation by the FCC, which I think played a major role in what sure. we have right now, especially in radio with iHeart and Beasley and all these consolidated groups. But when I was coming up with the uh, with the idea of something like this, I, I was watching these old bumpers of Dale Dorman, uh, who passed Uncle away. Dale. Uncle Dale Dorman, who used to be at uh, Oldies 103 and, of course, Kiss 108. He used to do the, the he was the voice for all the, the, the bumpers on yep. WLVI. And uh, I was watching the Flintstones, the little bumper there, and then uh, uh, Bugs Bunny and uh, Woody Woodpecker, which I thought was pretty cool. And then in the, the breaks, if you go on YouTube, they have the little commercial breaks just type in wlvi on youtube and they had battleship um some ads for syndicated shows benson i think was one hmm. of them uh, american bandstand might have been another if i if i'm not mistaken so correct me internet if i'm wrong but those are the types of shows and it doesn't matter what market you're in whether you're in boston or, or seattle or new york city it's we all grew up watching that local flavor that local love of 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 cartoons that mm. you could just you, you'd have to set you'd have to get home at a certain time you know what i mean it's not like now where you you can just save it or you can just resume watching right, yeah there was yeah. something special about that you don't we don't get that anymore we are no we don't i mean i think what you're saying in some sense you know what you're saying too is that you know the program and the networks allowing us to be somewhere at a certain time to enjoy a program um it's all changed um, and that's where the nostalgia is important, <clears throat> I believe. Um, it might be more important to some people than others. 
some people laugh yeah. at my <laughs> look, look around my living room here on the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> Those not uh, not here. I'm wearing a gremlin shirt. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there, some people are like, well, what's wrong with the future? And it's just like, well, I don't know. <laughs> but but um, but yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say my girlfriend. I was telling her last night, um, if uh, at her home in Nashua, her parents have all the, especially her father, had all the uh, the videos, the the the, the sci-fi B movies, the VHS, and even Beta. It, they're still in. There. You go yeah. in and you see space balls and even some of the really, really low budget creature double feature. Oh, sure. I mean, Same. one of the greatest, um, you know, and we can get more into like, you know, some of the prized, you know, yeah, um, yeah, episodes and um, movies and stuff that we're on. But um, one of the, I, before I get into that, I did want to say um, real quick Saturday mornings um, after cartoons, you watched wrestling, as I was saying, and then creature feature came on creature, double feature came on. Usually you got a universal and then a universal horror film or hammer horror, hammer. right? Gothic British horror films. Um, a giant monster. Yeah. And they, they till this day still think their horror films are better than ours. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, but anyhow, with the, the Japanese horror, the Kaiju monsters, the to- Takashi, Takatsu, I think Takatsu Cinema is really like sci-fi, fantasy, special effects. The Kaiju was an offshoot of that where it was more about these monsters attacking like main cities and stuff. You know, total apocalyptic um, nuclear meltdown, mutated monsters stepping all over your city. You know? and, and I mean, it sounds so silly, but they come from something smart too. Like if you go back to like Godzilla, it's like an allegory for like the atomic bomb. Yeah, stuff. There, there's I, some smart stuff going on. on well, so that, that know, that's kind of so that is a great that is a great thing to bring up because that feeds into half probably ninety percent of these films from the sixties to seventies. I mean. From atomic energy, the fear of Cold oh, War yeah. and nuclear. So, I mean, this uh, this went on. Uh, these were real fears. I mean, kids have certain fears today, um, and we all share the same fears. Um, but for that time, the atomic the atomic age brought a lot of fear and like, yeah, uh, like um, even in our even you know not just in cinema but even in our real. Um, our real world uh, of, you know, when people first saying that they started seeing like, you know, ident- unidentified flying yeah. saucers, the threat of aliens attacking the planet came with the atomic age um, because of the fear. Um, so the, those particular movies like the kaiju movies and stuff have that sentiment. You know, there's always like a I watched a documentary on Chernobyl yeah. and I couldn't stop thinking of Godzilla. Oh, Maybe because I was coming here today, yeah. but you know, no. but but yeah, you know that still all plays a part into the collective psyche well, of pop yeah, culture. I mean, if there's a natural sort of baseline background fear behind that sort mm-hmm. of stuff, you know, a monster coming from that is right. going to heighten, you know. Yeah, the there were like someone seeing that in the theater. That whole lineup: Godzilla, Mothra, Gamera. I mean, Godzilla was sort of like you know, even though he was feared and he. You know, can you swear on this podcast? Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Even though he fucked the city up. Yeah. You know, he, um, well, I mean, you know, he still was kind of like an an hero, but anti-hero as well, right? Sure. Is that like, you know, there were certain, I haven't, I'm not like. I don't remember half of the plots, you know what I mean? I of the, you know, because um, some of them change because of different narration and the way they're dubbed. Yep. That's a whole other thing. But um, horror evolves over the years. 
you know um were yeah. you going to say or something CGI regarding that? Or? Special, well, I was going to say something, add something to the nuclear because go, everybody yeah, go ahead. had the, the, the fear of nuclear, and I still think that still it holds do. over to this day, especially with Chernobyl and Three Mile Island, and that's a whole other issue for another day. But going back to Godzilla, especially, I'm, I don't know if you, 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 you attest to this, but 1998, when the, the first Godzilla uh, the trailer came out, I was one of the few that was really excited for it, and uh, the soundtrack wasn't so bad. Although they had was that the one with Ben Affleck? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there was another one um, was from that? 2005. Uh, uh, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Okay, thank you. Yeah, right, yeah, but that came out, and that was one of the biggest flops of 1998, and I was kind of disappointed. I was kind of looking forward to seeing... Where it was an American-made Godzilla. Yeah, it was. You, you never get anything good coming out of that. Well, that's what, well, right? that's what you attest to. I mean, yeah. that's what you, uh, you have to evolve. It can't just be the wacky, uh, overdubbed right. Japanese, oh, Godzilla. Well, know? let's talk about that, too. Japanese culture um, making its mark in American culture. Um, I don't know how far back it goes. It goes back to World War II, I'm sure, before. Yeah. But, but, but for that time, um, for me, for, you know... Little Charles growing up in the 70s, right? Um, I never seen Japanese people before. I, I mean, actually, TV was the thing that showed me um, uh, sort of like the cult cultural. I don't know if you want to call it that for the times. No one was calling foreigners uh, cultural experience at the time. But, you know, it's, it's, it, there was a, f not just because it was foreign, quote unquote foreign, but, this there was something weird about it. Oh yeah, there was something because it was a foreign it's film. So unfamiliar, right? And through the seventies, there was a lot of campy special effects. Whether we were talking Doctor Who, Land of the Lost, the Godzilla, yeah. you knew it was horrible. Even as a kid, you're like, "This is terrible," but it looks so good, and you can't get enough of it. The the uh, Sid and Marty Croft, another one that had like a lot of like not kaiju, but you know there were yeah. puppets and you know almost scary. It was a kid show, yeah. but it was just, those were disturbing looking. Well, I still yeah. I mean, when yeah. I think of like, there, I can always like there are moments that I can go back to like that in my mind as a child. They were. You can't deny the fact that these cartoons, as warm and as fuzzy as they made us feel, they right. also had a creep factor, and sometimes kids react differently. Kids don't have that anymore, and uh, I could go on another tangent. I don't want to get too far um, off topic, but, I mean, it's still within, you know. Um, kids have been sheltered. Like, TV mm. presented a lot of real-life things and um, scared a lot of kids, gave them nightmares made them ask their parents questions, questions their parents couldn't answer, questions that their parents felt sort of discouraged that they couldn't answer. So you can't watch that show, or you can't do this or whatever. A lot of hypocrisy beyond that. But kids, you know, even like the, the, um, the most brilliant children's books were nursery rhymes, and they were sort of filtered down from horrific tales to teach kids lessons. We're not going to rip this man into shreds. He's not going to lose his head. But we're going to create an innuendo to, to create a lesson here. And it's brilliant literature. I don't know if it's brainwashing or not, but at some point we got to, you know, practice good morals through uh, storytelling. So 
a lot of shows, a lot of movies, kids, you can't watch that. And there was some better meaning and better writing behind that. Today, everything's just sort of presented as is stick, quote unquote safe, maybe. Yeah. But even if you're talking about 70s programming, I just want to say this real quick. Yeah, uh, Little House on the Prairie. Tongue down the throat. Everybody's yeah, like, "What?" Yeah. Eh, I, I'm a fan of it. Never, and I grew up. That was a very nostalgic thing. I wasn't. I don't. It, it wasn't that I wasn't allowed to watch the show. It was just boring to me as a kid. Right. Now that I'm older and I can look back in a historical sense and actually look at the writing, I've heard people growing up say my parents wouldn't let me watch that, and I was. I never understood why. Well, now I do. There's a lot of racial, um, derogatory um, language. Per, because of the times they don't overdo it it's tactfully yeah. done and then not only that it's a lot of animals and children dying yeah. wow. very dark but i was watching a rerun years later they were dealing with drug addiction i think one of michael landon's stepdaughters was battling addiction at the time spoiler and, alert spoiler alert <laughs> and one of the i think one of the children <laughs> yeah I think, and it just goes to show you how, what you mentioned, Charles, Mm -hmm. he was in this dark room with his TV son, and he was trying to bring him back to life, and you you make fun of those anti-drug episodes now, and and years later, the the, the messages evolved, obviously, especially in the 80s and the 90s with sitcoms, and they'd have that very special episode, but back in the 70s, they took those very special episodes to heart mm. they instilled the fear of god into you they i'm up really i'm up every morning at 7 a.m to 9 a.m crying my eyes out watching this stuff you know yeah. girlfriend gets up she's like, what are you doing watch the little house in the prairie why don't you just don't you have a seat and watch it with me <laughs> i i mean i think there's something to be said you, you know you got the a lot of good like kind of meaningful content there i mean even if you go back like 70s movies looking back on that now that is considered like the area of you know great kind of edgy smart movies and you know you were kind of like harping on you know recent children's programming you know the the edges are definitely dulled but at least it's sort of smart now I feel like uh, me and Dave to some extent got the worst of it and that the cartoons of our youth were commercials it was like they kind of were all to sell action figures yeah right it's like He-Man Transformers uh, you know the early yeah, yeah. Joe that stuff. It, it was just for sure stuff that up. happened okay so that's interesting that happened that marketing of um, all of that that that's very interesting because that's why like after Star Wars when right. they saw what they could do with um, merchandise based on a show or a yeah, movie it was, exactly it was a wrap like, everything that was on TV you so G.I. Joe comes out right I interviewed the creator of G.I. Joe Larry Hama oh wow yeah. um, in, not, not the 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 line but they hasbro came to him so he could write the story yeah. and create the characters and he did it and uh anyhow so um but what what happened was those cartoons that came out were a, a mix of um teaching kids good morals and selling action figures and making them want to grow up to join the army yeah knowing half the battle and if you gotta go to battle Cartoon. Uh, it wouldn't. It wasn't just GI Joe, but it would be uh, Mask, mo- Mobile Armored Strike Units, uh, Matt Tracker. And oh yeah, they, yeah, they, right. They would, uh, I was watching. They have them online for right now until uh, I, I, I guess they're taken down, but uh, for copyright re- copyright reasons. But uh, there was one um, little PSA at the end where Matt Tracker tells his son, "Don't talk to a stranger because that person can be a child molester." And they yeah. said that. And this was back in 1985. But now, if someone said they it, went they'd there, it's not right. You shouldn't say that. 
Why not? You know. But even some of the positive ones have aged poorly too. I mean, this one I think it probably started airing in the early mid seventies and was up through at least late eighties for me. The uh, time for timer. It was uh, it was like a hanker a hanker for a hunka. Some it was like it was oh, like yeah, yeah. Cheese. Oh that goes way back. Yeah. That goes back but, to the seventies. They, pro- yeah. they probably aired that for like, you know, twenty five, thirty years and now like eat a bunch of cheeses. Yeah, what it what it was. He's like, You know what I I'm hungry. I'm hungry for a wagon wheel. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's exactly Yeah, that was it. A wagon wheel. Yeah, we're gonna have to add that audio in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do you one better. So I was—I don't know if I said this on air, but I, I think I've definitely mentioned it off air to to my girlfriend Kimmy. And I watched that. They showed that in the '90s on ABC. Years mm. later, yeah, because yeah. of the school, the whole uh, reemergence of Schoolhouse Rock and all that too. Yeah, they used to show Schoolhouse Rock even in the early '90s, which yep. I thought was very weird, and it seemed very out of date. And I kind of didn't get it, but uh, of- now I appreciate it. But so uh, the uh, the, uh, the the what was it? The hunk hunk for hunker? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, Time time for timer. I'm sorry. Thank you. So he, they had a. I don't know why that uh, didn't I, stick with me, but uh, what were we gonna say? Well, I just forget his name. He a character had a name, but he yeah. had a cowboy yeah. hat. Yeah. yeah, no. So he uh, so the, the 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 orange juice where you take the the ice tray and you take the little orange juice and you pour it in, you put it in the freezer with the with the ice pick uh, yeah. and everything or um, the toothpick. Well, we didn't have toothpick growing up in Westford, Massachusetts. We had a little ice tray, but not the ice tray with the individual ice cubes. So I went for the next best thing. I emptied out all the eggs in the paper carton <laughs> and I put it in the free yeah and and uh, tried to do it and uh, put it in the freezer and you can and I would literally pour it into the freezer and you have to be peel and you can figure off. out what happened next yeah. and I think it really pissed my father <laughs> off <laughs> oh god uh, so circling back to creature double feature trust this didn't have a host right do you remember there i feel like it was an announcer so yeah, um, there was, I think, originally when it was Creature Feature, um, or when it, there were people who attempted to do yeah. um, a like host. A, char- a character or something? Yeah, like a Svengoolie-style character. Yeah, Elvira. Yeah. Sven- I, know, I feel like every market had something like that. Right, I mean, Svengoolie was like the sort of the, the universal host of the whatever sister networks were yeah, sharing yeah. the similar. Because, I mean, before it was Creature Feature, like I said, it was um, around here. It was called a 4 o'clock movie. Um and what happened, I think, was that they realized that all these young kids were watching it Saturday morning. Well, a lot of youngsters were watching it, even when it was on later in the afternoon, because it went from being at night, being uh, on Saturday afternoon, that four o'clock spot, they saw a lot of people watching yeah. it. So it became popular with young people. Um, I don't know how that time, how they figured that out. I always wonder, like, how do they know who's watching in ratings and all that? But anyhow, so they um, more or less put it on right after Saturday morning cartoons purposefully to to get that audience. Yeah, kind of natural and, transition. Those yeah. kids who didn't run away when uh, the Candlepin Bowling was on. In Candlepins for cash. <laughs> yeah. When you have Ken Reed here, I know... Uh, the uh, TV yeah, guidance counselor. Actually, I think counselor. he's coming in a couple of weeks. Yeah, br- see, pick his brain about. Tell him Charles Rivers said uh, pick his brain about Candlepin Bowling. Yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely mention that. Wait, have you been on Ken's show? No, no. Um, I don't really, I don't really see why he would ask me, but I don't know. <laughs> he's been on my show before. I, I don't. I mean, I never. I, I mean, I don't. I don't get up in the morning and look in the mirror and be like. You got it, pal. You're a knowledgeable guy. Um, but I love it when people pick my brain. 
and you know that that's part of my love to do not my love but my interest in doing trivia you know um to see how much not useful and useless knowledge i have in this brain of mine but um no i mean i don't know you know it's i don't know it's um you know we're, we're going we're going back to creature double feature the the um the movies that they would show um you know were sometimes they were scary sometimes they were laughable like i um i was a teenage werewolf featuring God, yeah. featuring pa pa, pa Engels. Yeah. yeah michael landon again all comes around michael landon is with us today um so <laughs> in spirit of course yeah um but yeah you know so i mean there was that, and then you saw some really creepy sci-fi psychological stuff that, like, I wasn't ready for as a kid, like Ma- Matango, I believe it was called. Why the does Jap- that sound familiar? It's a Japanese film. Um, it was huge in Japan. It was almost banned because of the special effects, which resemble a lot of, like, the wounds and stuff from oh, Nagasaki yeah. and all that. Uh, again, wow. atomic, yeah. you know, atomic hell. Um so that was almost banned in Japan, but it came right on. It went right to TV in America, and they changed the name called Attack of the Mushroom People. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Remember now that? I remember this, yeah. These yeah. castaways, they on some island or whatever, and they, they find these mushrooms because they need... When you're stranded on an island, you need to eat. Something for survival right. purposes. Um, it's a life-or-death situation, right? So... They start eating these mushrooms and it starts mutating them and turning their heads into mushrooms and then you know obviously they become carnivorous and you know the rest is the rest is obvious but um that one was frightening because of the special effects and the music like the music in some of these like horror films yeah. very primitive synthesizers yeah. and stuff you know like bef- yeah even like before like early modulation like you know you're like that. Right, yeah, theremins, um, you know, like you said, the the Moogs, um, and even just early modulation, like oscillators, like what do, you know, before they even knew what the hell to do with anything, you know, they did a lot of that stuff, and that music, you know, is sort of like stuck in my brain from watching a lot of that stuff, yeah, it's funny, you know. It makes me think, like, John Carpenter is so known for, like, doing that kind of stuff a mm-hmm. little bit later, yeah. and, like, I never like saw the influences necessarily coming from previous horror, but if you're talking about yeah, the, like especially the Japanese stuff or the just yep. weird, it was almost more of a sound effect than music sometimes. Right. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, with the Japanese films too. I mean, I just I, I forget what it was. It was a soundtrack that had a lot of the stuff, and there's actual synth, there's actual composers like electronic early electronic composers that did some music for some of those uh, movies and all. But, um, but yeah, anyhow, like, the, the day the earth stood still, I mean, everyone knows that, but the original was very minimalized yeah. and, you know, frightening. Bear, yeah. it, it goes to show you, post-World War II, you mentioned Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, obviously, the two countries look at it very, very differently. And I was talking to somebody years later uh, where she lived in Japan when she was uh, married to her ex-husband who was stationed over there. And she said that the younger uh, Japanese uh, uh, citizens, they love American culture and the older people, they can't stand this. And mm. they still hold and harbor a lot of resentment. And I think the, the, what happened post-World <clears throat> War II, that still resonates um, for some of the older Je- Japanese uh, to this day, and you, yeah. you can understand why. Well, it's there's a level of conservatism even in their field, you know, in their culture. Um, 
not relatable to what we may look at as being conservative, but what I more or less mean, like, you know, even like some of the guys, the old guys, World War II, who fought still have a sharp tongue towards, even though they're, they feel they're at peace with the, but you know, like a movie, Gran Torino is a good example. Clint Eastwood, he, his character is like, you know, if only, if only everyone would come around like that. But I mean, point is, is that, um, yeah, like we, we don't understand what went over there. We don't understand the horror. Um, I don't think a lot of us, I think we've gotten a taste of it, obviously, within our within our generation of what horror is in real life. But one-on-one, you know, um, or being part of an apocalyptic situation, whether it's Nagasaki or even Chernobyl, which that government lied to them. It lied to everyone yeah. in Europe. Um, but, you know, these are fears that sort of, when you're being lied to or the government's being distrustful or we all have that now we all feel even though we want to trust and think it's all good american shit it's not you know i mean i mean this is why like uh jordan peele's like horror movies the last couple of years have like get out and us are like resonating so much it's yeah cultural tension you know right people are worried about like you know race and and get out right i mean i'm surprised there's not more movies but i think people are trying to be a little more than ever a little bit more uh, less insensitive about the films they make which i mean i'm you know i can't speak for everybody but i mean I don't. When I see something in a movie, I see it in a movie. I don't think that the director's always has an ulterior motive. He wanted to say this, and he's just gonna make a movie of it or whatever. There is that, but I feel like people are afraid, like Jordan Peele, um, who's done some really, who's who's confronted racism in a horror film. I like to see more of it because even in television, you go back. You know, speaking of Jordan Peele, uh, the Twilight Zone and all that. You go back to Rod Serling's Twilight Zone, and that. On one after the other, he's slipping like you know he's taking I mean, digs at stuff, yeah. right. But they were like, well, we can't, you can't have this. Twilight, this particular episode can't take place in the Civil War. We're not going to get advertisers. He hated that. He hated being censored for advertising because he was a he was prolific. He didn't. He wasn't in this to be a celebrity. He was in it to, to tell these cautionary tales that he cared about um, because he cared about sci-fi and he got it um, and he understood people. Right. Well, that's where all horror comes, you know, that's where horror comes from, our societal fears and pressures. And, you know, we can talk about werewolves and Dracula and we could talk about um, Hell's Angels closing in on us in this house. <laughs> you know, Sonny Barger, um, Hell's Angels, another boogeyman in horror of our society. But um, but within the film um, realm, um, this is where we play things out. Like lately, people are scared shitless of clowns. Now I wear I wear I do some work in a costume um, a costume boutique. I'm always you know customizing and helping people with costumes. Um, and people get weird when you talk about clown suits and like no nah, nah, nah. it's just like I mean it's a clown. Yeah. Now I I get it, but I think people need to stop being afraid of clowns, right? Confront your fears. Go to a circus, right? <laughs> no, they took the clowns yeah. and the and the um jungle animals out. Now we just put dogs and cats in there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they've got yeah, clowns aren't allowed to have sad faces I don't anymore. I think Wrinkling Brothers exist anymore. No, they, they but because. Yeah, they can pick apples and only Victorian one, I, 
I think Big Apple and right. I think Cirque du Soleil, which is incredible. Oh, I've been, yeah. Uh, but uh, in terms of clowns, and I'll, I'll, I won't go too far off, I, my grandmother, my nana, had a place um, in Waltham uh, not too far from here, and she had a picture of one of those Ringling Brothers Barnum and Daly clowns. Yeah, it yep. was one of those caricatures, and it looked friendly enough, it mm-hmm. looked innocent, but it looked creepy enough to scare the bejesus out of me and my cousins. Yeah. Poltergeist, I think, really nailed the last you know that was the last the nail oh, the that, last nail in the coffin oh, I, was, I was the wrong age spielberg that took that to a level that's even more creepier than it i think first of all i don't know if it was you that said that but i've repeated i saw someone say it somewhere i just thought it was brilliant i don't know if you posted it somewhere on social media but it was like who would talk to what little kid would even talk to a clown that's scary coming out of a sewer yeah like i know it's a horror TV. movie and everything but i don't know I would you know no it's victim yeah i mean so i mean so the heart the horror of our societies i mean there's a lot of things even percolating now that like um you know like leaders um have always been sort of I mean, they've always been poked. They've always been made monsters on some level. But you know, currently, the way people feel about Trump and the way things are heading, and they, you know, while people are saying that, well, we finally have leadership, and some people are like, well, no, we don't. It, you know, that alone creates um, a fear in our society of being divided. I'm I'm curious to see what kind of are the results in you know, be it horror movies or whatever. I'm that's, sorry. That's well, you know, and it's been four years. And it's been a lot longer. Um, we've we've had a lot of misfortune in our society and in our world to make um, more original horror films rather than another paranormal activity. No one cares about ghosts anymore, you know. After what's his name from um, who's that? Cl- who's who's the who's the premier ghost hunter? Um, oh God, that's Zach. Um, yeah, Ghost uh, Adventures it's, is it it's called? It's not gonna click, but yeah. Yeah, Zach something. He he's dressed, you know, he's all like done up like a rock star. He is so full of it, and I think everyone knows it at this point. But yeah. They just a lot, they just love watching him be completely full of shit, you know, um, or everyone believing him. But you know that element. Ghosts are sort of, I don't know, you know. There was a, a case in Wilmington. I don't know if either of you were privy to this or paid attention to the local news, but Wilmington, Damula's Market Basket, there was a woman who reported seeing somebody dressed in 1890s fashion I in think the freezer I may, aisle, yeah. and uh, then she disappeared into the, the frozen peas section, mm-hmm. and they called in all these ghost hunters, Damula's, and they checked out everything, and then they tweeted, Yes, Demolis Market Basket now has Twitter. I have, I have. <laughs> and they said all our stores are ghost free. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I don't know if they're. I love, I love a good ghost story. I mean, if you tell me like this area is haunted or whatever, like let's go. But I mean, you know, you got to be careful too because you don't know. I mean, on a psychological level, and that's the most horrific level we're at right now because what you think is real isn't, or is it? Um, or you know, are they saying? Are they telling you the truth? Or are they lying to you? Are you safe? You know, I mean, we strung from our media. I mean, Natural Born Killers for, you know, horror film was way ahead of its time. Um, But, you know, there was something innocent about the old horror films, especially when we got a chance to watch them maybe in the 70s and 80s or whatever, that they didn't really, they were sort of campy. 
You know, there's there was a mask you wore at Halloween. It was a monster boo. Yeah. There was it in, unless you got older and you started reading about you know what Frankenstein was about. Um, you know the beauty behind the monster, the 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 fear and the beauty that people possess against you know someone who's different. Um, man, I mean, we're we seem to be horrified and fearful of just about everything, aren't we? Well, I, I think that's why, you know, b- before we get into the serial, that's why, like, the nostalgia out there right now or, you know, in the last decade is for that kind of campy stuff you right. were mentioning. Like, not too long after, you know, this show wraps up, you know, even in the late 80s, early 90s, you get your mystery science. Th- you do, right. 3000 yep. kind of parodying these dumb ones, talking over it. And uh, you were saying it before, Charles, that uh, about 10 years ago, this creature double feature showed back up for a couple of years. Yeah, we yeah. got uh, it was Ernie Bach for those unfamiliar with him. You know, big uh, local car dealership guy owns a bunch of ones, but uh, I think they remember but it, but, him. But yeah, it inherited these dealerships, so you know, from has, Daddy has, has a little fun with his yep, money here yep. and there. You know, is around on the local music scene, shows up on the you know local uh, you know food shows or whatever. Right. So he basically relaunched it and set himself posted you know a handful of episodes or whatever because he remembered this sort of era but ernie what did you do with it afterwards i mean i thought you know you brought it back and then it, it was probably about a year yeah. um but you know i mean it's very possible that that stuff is not going to bring in ratings like it used to because of today's special effects um on a scale from you know seeing the stuff you know within less than 10 years of its release yeah. or so it was still sort of like it was cool um, but it takes it sort of takes a nostalgic person, yeah. um, someone that loves sci-fi and fantasy, to kind of go back, yeah. and um, and who can go out and find these movies on there right. right now too? It now, have to be, you know, appointment view. Right, right, exactly. So if you're living in Philadelphia, San Francisco, Chicago, cities that this stuff aired, you probably kind of, you know, these these this all resonates with people. But if they don't know about this. I mean, long story short with that is that it's just a horror film. So there is yeah. sort of a locality, a regional, actually, a regional sentiment to it. So, um, so yeah. I was reading up on it, and this specific show has such a fan base that the last, I think up through last year, it was four or five years of, they're actually doing a little convention thing up in Atherboro in some sort of lodge. Oh, really? You know, with a, hold on, I printed it up. Creature Double Feature Roundup in Atherboro. Uh They've got, you know, local exhibitors, people making their own comic books, uh, guest signings, meet and greets from people who are, you know, extras on these movies back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, showed up in a commercial. for a quaint little creature feature Comic-Con. That's cool that they have an event. Yeah, you know, go and poke around it for 10 minutes, 20 or something. But yeah, there's like people love this kind of stuff. Future ventures for the Frosted side. Maybe a live appearance when we're ready. Well, when we're ready, talk about that. You know, not right now, but no, I mean, like, right I, now. I, I just... might, I might be able to help you out with, with that. Actually, yeah. <gasps> oh so, yeah, yeah. But anyhow, um, you know, well, that's you know, you you do a you do a you journalism radio show. I mean, I've met a lot of people, so I mean, um, I've run into a lot of people in like you know the pop culture locally, yeah. and you know, you go to these comic cons and you meet like, oh, I was the waitress and um. Well, man, I was I was the waitress in The Invisible Man. Yeah, she's yeah. she's like eighty eight years old yeah. now, but um, <laughs> but 
Um, anyhow, so yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're down to our last like one or two munchkins from the Wizard of Oz still doing those things that, you know, right. two years old or whatever. Maybe, maybe so, that was. So, yeah. you know, you guys should jump on that and, and, and get some of these interviews, you yeah, know? Those, I mean, those would be some interesting guests. That's for Yeah, sure. no, they would. I mean, honestly, um, some of the guests um, that some of the best guests I've had are the, the stuff, are the people that nobody's really thinking of getting. Yeah. And sometimes they just turn into these amazing interviews you know um, got so much to say too yeah right right used to being asked questions and then they don't have right right they don't have this sort of like celebrity like oh well you know i've just know everybody and i've been around the block no they want to talk about they'll tell you stories that no one really wanted to talk about or anyone got to but um but yeah i would like to you know i would love to see like I don't know, you know, like I, I, I miss the Saturday morning cartoons. I, I go on YouTube. I'm in like I'll try to find like, you know, someone who's got a channel up, but yeah. it ain't happening. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how good Boomerang does as far as presenting things as they sort of ran, but I even feel like why not? Like NBC should like they have these, you know, they do programming through MeTV and all these other, you know, smaller. There's sis- a space for it. There is a space yeah. for it, and even if you did like a two-hour block Saturday mornings on MeTV of sort of the best of Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, but would these kids with the Netflix and the Hulu be able to experience that feeling of waking up? Saturday no, they don't morning? give a shit. They, they won't give. They won't give a done. shit. Well, I think with all the technology, do you think? Possibly, just devil's advocate throwing it out there that it could possibly work well, maybe on their phone. The thing is, is we're saying it might not work, but it may not be for kids. But yeah. th- we're still alive. We still watch TV. And you know what? If they want to put programming like Perry, Ma- the Perry Mason four-hour block on MeTV and then like six hours of like, you know, Big Valley, which is a great show, but... You know, you know what I mean. Like sometimes they throw these really nonsensical marathons on, and then uh, then four hours of an infomercial. It's just like who's doing the programming? You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So where is that? Co- and who's the audience? But I can't. Audience? If I want to watch the Flintstones right now, I can't. This is the year 2019. So, I have to. I have to buy each season. We've had a lot of trouble with that digging up some of these cartoons. Some of them just are not available. In Such as what? Which would you, know, you run into? Digging around. Uh, Real Ghostbusters was okay. There was a Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. I remember that. Like, Can't find it. I think it. we found it. There are DVDs of it somewhere, but like to actually try and like find one of it online or that MC Hammer cartoon <laughs> does not exist. Anymore. I didn't or even know there well, was a one. Ex- a few of those Hammerman cartoons actually exist, but uh, the ones that are put online are usually taken down rather quickly. And I don't think it was on Saturday morning, but I know Gem was uh, one of the cartoons that yeah. they put out the new gem and the holograms on, i got the whole Hulu, but i got the whole series of the original gem and the holograms yeah, if, you um, on, if you don't have it on vhs or dvd yeah you're probably not going to watch it right so unfortunately if you're looking for some of these classic cartoons as dave mentioned well good luck to you they need to come back there's a crap load of them there's so many there's a there's a market there's so many somebody's sitting on these yeah. Someone's someone's sitting on them. Yeah, and I mean, a lot it, of it's rights. You know, if they had like right, music right. or whatnot along with it, and, you know, I just don't understand. I just it's just yeah. I still, but I don't know. Right, this the, all the stuff we are seeing is probably like pretty cheap available. You know, like it's really yeah. cheap to buy. But you know, there's a lot of programming that that isn't, and you just can't go on YouTube anymore like you used to and be able yeah. to be like, yeah. oh, I want to watch like you know, I want to watch Jabba Jaws. Remember Jabba oh, Jaw? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I mean, the, the thing is, like, as, as soon as these things go up, in order to, you know, hold on to the rights of them, a lot of the studios that do have these things have these interns out there basically just sending, you know, threatening letters, you know, these sort yeah. of takedown notices. And YouTube, I don't quite know the process these days. It's been a few years, but it's pretty easy to get something ta- taken down. So now, yeah. They're, they're just sitting on these things and, you know, going out there and plucking them down whenever someone else is trying to use them. But it, it's funny because they're, it, you know, what value is there? It's, I mean, it just it's shows not getting used for it. Shows in high demand. I mean, it just shows that people are demanding to want to see this. Yeah. What? What? The, the the biggest defender, and you can cut this out if you want because you're copyright. But I don't think it will step no, on any no, toes. No, CBS no. is the biggest defender of hoarding stuff and not allowing people to do anything with it. And then when they do, is it's it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had an experience with them where I was looking, I, I was in touch with the Serling family, Rod Serling's daughter, oh, wow. and <clears throat> and I've interviewed Anne a couple times, and um, I'm friends with her, you know, I'm not like, we don't go on picnics together, but right, you know, we're right. acquaintances, she knows who I am, and she respects like more of more of where I'm coming from, uh, you know, kind of coming from the same way the family is, mm-hmm. but CBS doesn't allow them all the rights to right. those Twilight Zone. They have the rights to the literal text that's been written by Rod Serling, right. but not that so much the teleplays. So if you're going to do, you can't re- rep- do, you can't do a Twilight Zone theatrical um, version of a Twilight Zone episode with by calling it that. You right. can't go to the Brattle Theater and have a, a three-hour marathon of the right. Twilight Zone. It costs per, per showing... It, there's all these prices and fees, but when all is said and done, it's going to cost you per episode, 30-minute episode, about $15,000 just to show, and you can't make just money to, like, off of it. it. They won't let you make money off of it either. Yeah. CBS Boston, I sat down with them, and they threatened me. They were like, if you do that, they're like, there will be charges pressed against that. We're just letting you know you can't do that. So It's, it's weird, the entities that are like, so litigious about that and then like the, the places you hear and like one network to the next you know, like you won't necessarily get that from your you know nbc's or abc's with yeah. Disney or whatever but then like you go to musicians or whatever like prince was really weirdly litigious about stuff like that i don't yeah. know like what kind of you know team he had but you know up until up, up, yeah. up, up until his passing you could well, not prince, find that stuff yeah i mean anyway. what prince did i mean he he kind of created um that tact of constantly fishing the internet yeah and um he had people who knew how to do it i mean and you i don't know if what involvement um the company youtube has but i'm sure at this point algorithms um with you know um certain metadata hashtags i mean you you pretty much like you put in every possible idea combination surrounding that person on a daily basis you think of another thing you and it just fishes it and it throws it out immediately uh prince was smart at doing it um but you know people his fans got mad and fans get mad when they can't get stuff but you know you gotta pay for it i guess it is intellectual property it is Mm. the they're the ones that created the art so they do have a say yeah plus you've got lawyers and all that and it's just it's just shit's a mess but uh, Happy Birthday was one of the, the songs that people forget that you could not sing or say on on TV. You could say Happy Birthday, but you couldn't sing it. So if we really? watched The Simpsons and they would just mix it up, they'd say Happy Birthday, da-da-da. Who wrote sing. the Happy Birthday song? Uh, Dave? Uh, it was a woman who had passed by that time and then her estate 
that went and you know did this. So if I recorded that, I could be sued. I think it's public do- domain now. Don't don't. Right. Yeah, I would imagine the time period. Uh, I heard not, I yeah. heard this thing too. Don't know the name of it. Everyone does it. Someone wrote that, and if you use that music, you can get sued. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but. Yeah. yeah, that's why on certain programs you can't actually. That's why right. they use stock music now. They don't actually on on TV shows. They don't let you play that Led Zeppelin song from from thirty five well, years. If ago you tune into the Charles River show, we broke every rule. We played all the licensed stuff. Boy, did we get in trouble! I love it. But it's still out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never do that again. I, yeah. I, it, it's crazy how extreme they get with some of them. There was uh, yep. so when, I, when you know when I was in law school, there was this case dentist's office logo didn't look anything like McDonald's or anything. The uh, dentist's office. I'm, I'm gonna you know kind of dumb this down or whatever, but uh, it was just called Mick Dental. McDonald's went after them, sued them. Mick Dental you know, saying there'd be you know confusion. Their basis behind that was uh, the McDonald's, Ronald McDonald's children's charities did some sort of like free dental services. So, Hmm. oh, we're in the same market. You're going to get confused. McDonald's wins. McDental, you know, dentist office in the mall has to change their names. They like just the Mick alone. It it just, I don't know, kind of ridiculous. So to call any business with an MC. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's over like, the top. You, yeah. At the uh, previous station I worked, BMI headquarters, where uh, they were looking for my former bosses. And they told uh, told me to get in contact with with my with my former bosses that uh, there was a bunch of songs from the '80s that they weren't actually reporting back to Nashville. And if you're a radio station, and that's one of the things that people don't understand when they buy a radio station, you were just mentioning that earlier. You have to report your songs. That's why it's so expensive just one of many things and then i would call my boss say what's going on the bmi just called from nashville and they say oh no 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 we just moved uh they forgot to forward the mail and i'm looking at the uh, and right at the, the 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 mail that was forwarded it was a bmi yeah mm. you got to report your earnings and they were just not doing that so you wow. gotta yeah if you're gonna go into the business yeah and you want to play music just I mean, report them yeah, yeah it's expensive but that's the risk you're taking I won't mention any networks, but I did work for a network that didn't do that. And I did all the work in like tagging, MP3 tagging, everything yeah. I had to do because I had prior experience of being a professional. And uh, it, it was like, well, if you're not going to report it, then it's not going to get back to anyone and no one's going to know we're on the radar and no one's going to give a shit. And, you know, that might just be like, hey, they're playing our song. Or, you know, whatever. But anyhow, so, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, copyright. Um, I mean, I think, you know, there's a reason why these shows aren't on anymore. We're not seeing certain things. But um, let me ask you guys, how do you now spend Saturday mornings? Do you, do you do you ever try to like well, the the serials yeah. made the reappearance for me? Actually, uh, I'll, I'll let you know, kind of Dave answer this as I start prep, as I start the. Well, I'm gonna start prepping the Golden Grams oh. for us, but uh, yeah, the serials kind of come back since I started doing this. But like, yeah, I'm not watching TV or anything really. It's uh, and as an adult, I don't think I watch TV at all. I sometimes do enjoy watching old TNBC shows, Saved mm-hmm. by the Bell, and even some of the later ones, some of the horror horrible knockoffs of Saved by the Bell, like California Dreams and, yep. and Hang Time, which was the basketball version of of Saved by the Bell, and then City Guys, which was the urban one. That was years later. Uh, but 
Beyond that, and maybe whatever Kim and I do, sometimes we go antiquing on Saturdays and uh, do what future married couples mm-hmm. would probably end up doing. I mostly we mostly sleep in Saturdays for us old people, us old big kids, teenagers mm-hmm. in their thirties are for sleeping in. Why am and I up at seven a.m. every morning? Yeah, no matter what time I go to bed. Yeah, you know that. See, that's not me. Yeah, I'm just no. not an early riser, and yet working in broadcasting for so long. You are used to getting up at seven, maybe even earlier. Actually, at one point, I was getting up at four in the morning, maybe three thirty, to to go in and do some show prep for yeah. when I was working at the, the previous station I worked at uh, to post when uh, my former bosses were out out of town, and so I was running I was running the boards and running the show. So I would have to get up wicked early. And being in the broadcast industry. You have to get used to working odd hours and odd times. I didn't like it. So when Saturday would roll roll around, if I didn't have to be up, I didn't didn't have to be up, and I would just sleep in. I like I like sleeping in, and Dave is going to enjoy sleeping in for now <laughs> on Saturday. Mornings. Yeah, I got about three weeks of that left. <laughs> oh, then 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 the boy, yeah. uh, girl, girl, boy? girl, girl, daughter. Yeah. All right. Um. So. We've uh, we've got our cereal laid out. Uh, milk preferences. I got two percent oat milk and almond oh. milk. Wow. Yeah. Your call. We didn't have oat milk in the seventies. Yeah, right. Dave, I'm assuming oat. Is we didn't even have. We didn't even have two percent in the seventies. Yeah. I'm gonna have my oat milk, my fallen oat milk. Did you, uh, Charles? Did you want some oat milk? I am. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the oat milk. You know what? Uh, I'm well, not. Well, I'm d- not Dave vegan. Splash into mine too. I'll. I'll do uh, the same. I'm not vegan, but um, I believe everyone should add some sort of plant-based additive to their daily diets. So, so let's talk about your pick here, uh, mm. Golden Grams. Well, it wasn't my first pick. What, was it Golden Crisp? No, Sugar my crisp? first pick was a cereal called Waffleos. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen the. I've seen. But I said that. if you can find a box from 1983, yeah. I'll gladly eat I, it on your podcast. You know, I poked around on eBay, and there was. Um, not a sealed box, but someone had saved a box since then. People hate the eating on mic. Oh, they're good, delicious. Good they're, right they're just like I remember them. So, so this is one that came about in mid-70s, I think. Yeah, late 1976. 76, 76. Yep. yep. You wouldn't if you found wa- you said you found waffle crisps. I don't know that cereal, but I can tell you right now it may taste like it. Yeah. But waffle O's, okay, was um it's it's interesting because it was it had a we- you know I have a western edge to me, okay? Charles mm-hmm. Rivers has a western edge to him. I don't I didn't grow up down south or out west. Uh, is that a, a longhorn steer necklace or I'm drawn yeah. to um a, a different time. Mm-hmm. Um a better time. Um, before, um, I don't know when, when none of us was, were here, right. When America was great. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I remember it just, just a different time. Seventies. I'm not going to go into the spectrum of how humanity's evolved since then. We can, that's a different topic, but, um, you know, cereal was so important as a kid. Oh, yeah. It was second to toys and Saturday morning yep. cartoons. They all went hand in hand. Actually, they did, right? You brought that up. Yeah, sometimes the cereal Cartoons came with a toy sold in toys, it. toys sold cartoons, yeah. and you, toys came in cereal. I mean, it was a trinity. It was the holy trinity of our cereal childhood. Cereal commercials were cartoons. Right. You know? Yep. 
So, um, Waffalo Bill was the character of Waffalo's. It came in blueberry and regular waffles, yep. and um, it tasted just like waffles. And um, the blueberry, though, there was some sort of drug in that uh, where a child would smell it. It's like a certain, like, chemical. Just something to that over there. And I can still, like, it's in me right now. It's like, it's probably, in, it's probably if we Need did a spinal fix. tap, it, that chemical would be in my spine right now. <laughs> Right, so buried itself in that. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a certain scent and chemical blueberry smell that just I it it just triggers stuff. So like I wonder that, if that's the same stuff in blueberry because I remember there might being be. something there. With this that. was a little different, maybe because it had a little maple syrup on it. But um, yeah, you know, you have was coated with maple syrup. Oh. Um, and Waffalo Bill was I'm Waffalo Bill, and he had all these cool things like they like they weren't cheap toys. They were like a belt buckle, yeah. right? Oh, that's um, great. Cool shirt, glow in the dark shirt. Yeah. A light switch that glow in the dark. So I was like, I would get all this stuff, send it away, and like I was obsessed with Waffalo Bill. And when he said your favorite cereal, that's one of the first ones that came to mind. I loved cereals that would turn the milk to chocolate or strawberry yeah. or whatever, yeah. blueberry flavored, all that stuff. Um, and there was this one called Crazy Cow. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I uh, our our account. I uh, posted a picture of the. Uh case of that recently or the box of that recently i don't think that one lasted very long right it was mm -hmm. around for like a couple of years and then gone early 80s yeah. to mid 80s probably um which probably something excuse me folks i'm eating my golden grams why not they're good aren't they they are i'm impressed did you know the golden grams song i read was um actually taken from a, a old song called all those all the oh those golden slippers no but <laughs> a little useful knowledge for you um so Golden Grams, probably around the time that I was, you know, moving past cartoons and all in like, you know, the early early to mid-80s and starting to watch the horror films, I wanted a little bit more of a mature serial. There's know? never a mascot. I wanted to be a man. Right? There's no like cartoon nope. mascot. Or yeah, there was Golden like... Golden Gary. No, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't remember there ever being anything really. No, there wasn't. It was just a bowl with a spoon in it. Yeah. And, um, you know, those classic 70s orange, brown, and yellow colors? I mean, the, the box still's kind of got a little bit of that going on. You know, I mean, that's a retro color for yeah. you, brown, orange, and yellow, you know? But, um, yeah, I don't know. There was something about um, the cereal that, you know, it's just sort of like more of a, you know, becoming a, little, a young man. A little more grown up. A little more grown up, up. You know, yeah. still sugary. And All those golden grams, so, I say. Someplace packaged neatly, but if I can find it, yeah, waffles, I would absolutely. Even if I'm not a guest, I'll come back. Yeah, I'll come on just at the end It'll to just eat. Come on, just for the waffles. No, I'll eat it at the beginning, and then I'll sit for an hour, and then I'll. Right. <laughs> right. Let's That's check back with Charles. See how he's doing. He's. <laughs> he's we are finding from something from that area. <laughs> Charles is in the Charles is in the uh, the old cereal chamber here. Uh, you know. On uh. Yeah, on my but, uh, 21st yeah. birthday, 21st birthday, I got a pack of baseball cards from the year I was born, and I what? ate the gum. Okay. Not a great idea. <laughs> it just, what, 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 it just tur turned to dust. And, did like, it do anything to your insides? Or? A little pukey. It blew a bubble. Right? Yeah. Not exactly pleasant. Well, getting back to some of those old cereals from the 1970s, obviously Waffle Loaves and other cereals that are defunct no longer exist. It was a real arms race, and I think we mentioned this on our inaugural no podcast, which was actually a year ago. 
believe it or not, at the time that we're taping this, but we mentioned this at the, or I mentioned this in the 70s and the 80s, uh, even going back probably to the 50s and 60s when it was sugar pops and there was sugar corn pops, there was a real arms race for a lot of these sugar cereals. And yeah. then all the quote-unquote do-gooders, if you want to put it that way, they started changing, uh, lobbying to have the names changed just to make the kids uh, think that they were eating something a lot healthier. And it's pretty much the same thing, except they took out probably a few of the ingredients, I would imagine, as time has evolved and diets have evolved. And we are really living in, not to go off on another uh, side tangent, but we really are living in a weird age of new diets and everything being clean. And you forget what it was like to not eat clean and just be a kid. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, (laughs) This is so off topic, but... uh, have uh, have you guys had? It used to be made by the same company. I think these are Quaker, right? But uh, but uh, Post makes uh, a version similar to this now. Uh, brought back an old series. Do you remember there was a s'mores cereal? Oh yeah. Uh, so so it's back. Yeah, it's back on the shelves now. Uh, and uh, it's basically these cocoa puffs and marshmallows. Oh, that's how they're I doing had, it. I, I had a bowl of that recently. So, yeah, there, there was another version before that or something. Golden Graham s'mores. Yeah. S'mores Golden Grams. It was that was so good. And I feel like these are one of the only cereals besides Rice Krispies I've had the like treats made out of them in like a bar with the with the marshmallow and stuff. The Rice Krispie treats. I never liked the actual cereal, but I love the treats. Mm-hmm. It's just it, I don't know if it's weird or if it's, it's that marshmallow. Yeah, it's the marshmallow. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what it was. Yeah, I uh, I guess I could have it if it were in little clusters, but I could never have it individually. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like yeah, it's texture. You know, there. I'm not I'm not complaining by any any means. There's just certain things that weren't made for me that I places I didn't go and things that um yeah. I didn't eat when I was a kid. And I thought I was pretty cultured coming coming of age and um. I didn't even have Brussels sprouts until I was probably like 16 or 17, you know. Um, but like, yeah, cereal. Um, first, I think I stopped. I think I stopped cereal in high school. I still eat. I mean, I still eat cereal. But in terms of having that box, you know, having like three or four boxes. Like now I'll buy a box, have a couple bowls and then like forget about it yeah, and then go stale, and yeah. it's stale. Or it's like, you know, I don't have as many teeth as I had when I was younger. Um, and, um, they have like, you know, there, there's certain parts of my, uh, molars that have a little cavern in, yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah. So perfect um, for some sugar that just get crammed. Into but, it. you know, I was afraid today that I might, you know, Hey, I, I might, I might not be able to chew this cause I don't eat peanuts or yeah. anything. They get stuck. Yeah. It's perfect. Wow. You know, I, f- I don't fear the cereal anymore, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because with cereal, um, there's been sort of a frown down up on it. Like, kids shouldn't have it. Oh, yeah. You know, there's that controversy. And, I mean, you got you have a child coming into the world, you know, do you feel like, you know, bringing them up to eat cereal for breakfast is a good or a bad thing I, once I mean, they're I, of age? I, I hate to do the cliche, but, like, everything in moderation, you know? Yeah. I, I, we grew up in the era where it was perfectly fine to have, like, a bowl of cereal for breakfast before you, I'd school I'd let you feed day. my kids. That, you, that's not necessarily... I mean, I saw, I saw the portion. Yeah. That, that's a reasonable portion. Well, that's the thing, too. You mentioned everything in moderation. Uh, there's so much not to go off on another side tangent, which is 
pretty much giving myself license to go off on a side tangent, but it is related because we mentioned how everything is about clean living now. All the parents are so paranoid about what goes into their food. Yeah. And everything has to be non-GMO and, and, and clean. Some and, of those cereals taste like the box they came in. Yeah, and I, I understand if you, you have celiacs and gluten-free and all that because people have different type of diets, and I, I don't want to make fun of that, but <clears throat> it's cereal. It really is something that you're supposed to enjoy. And stop being so hard on yourself. It's corn and oats. Yeah, exactly. If people actually knew what went into their food and not what they got on Google, not all the, the quote-unquote research, people would feel so much better about themselves. I think it's just a, a, a pomposity thing where people think they know more about food than the actual science scientists that developed these types of foods or worked in the, the, the food industry. Yeah. And it's really too bad because you're not only being hard on yourself, but you're also being anti-science, anti-food science. Mm -hmm. And my personal feeling is as long as it's in moderation, as in uh, what Dave Lindquist and myself experienced and what we experienced, you can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just facts, not fear. I know it's that's cliche, but it is. Yeah. It's true. And you know, we in this day and age of fear, where every everybody's paranoid about what goes into their well, body. Well, I mean, you yeah. can't just enjoy certain things. I'm even like that, even though I think I'm eating right. Like some days, like I, last week, I freaked out on sodium. Everything I ate, I was just like. <gasps> Over a thousand milligrams. Yeah. It's forty five percent of my daily intake. Yeah. No wonder Americans are, uh, are sick and mentally ill. That sodium's yeah. destroying their brains. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's another controversy when it comes to cereal. I don't know how you prepared this for us, but did you go? Are you a milk first guy or a, you know second? Second. You know about the controversy? Some people no. fight about it online. No. I, I I haven't heard about. I it. tried to find a fight last night it's so like I could just troll everyone and be a like, hot you know what? Sandwich fight. Go outside. I don't yeah. care what time it is. Just get off Facebook. But the um thing was with um the controversies that people say you pour the milk in first. It keeps the milk fresh and it keeps the cereal more crisp. I've never heard this, but I might start doing it. I kind of like that. Well, I mean, give it a shot. And the milk has to be ice cold. But, you know, who, what, what does that even mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like ice, uh, like. Uh, <laughs> it said the milk has to be ice cold, so, you know? So this is, you know, kind of hopping off things here, but it is totally related to what we were talking about. I was uh, I was at Trader Joe's the other day, and they had this Neapolitan puff cereal. It was like, oh, chocolate vanilla so good I you know, it. strawberry thing have you read the ingredients on this thing no it is the weirdest cereal ever uh so Let's hear it. i i think it's a gluten-free one but uh so garbanzo bean powder yeah, i'm cane in cane sugar navy bean powder Ooh. brown rice flour pinto bean flour and then you know freeze-dried strawberries Be extract yeah purple purple carrot juice powder yeah. you know and so this kind of like hits the hit the spot for me. Clearly, it's. Um, I thought he was. I thought you were going to read off some toxic stuff. No, no, uh -huh. kind, kind of no. the other end of things. You, you, no, you, so you, you can have your cake and eat it too. You know. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, I mean, there's like, yeah. But yeah, that um, I had that, and I saw. I got it because I love Neapolitan. And yeah, anything. Neapolitan ice cream. I right. Was like, oh, yeah. yeah um, I want and they, this. And, like, it's same, not that bad. Trader Joe's on the. I, I mean. I don't know. You can cut this out if you want um, or keep it in, but nobody can contend with them when it comes to snacks. Yeah. I, Unless I, it's homemade snacks or, or you know, you, you, you go out specifically to get a certain snack that you like at a bakery or whatever. But in terms of just snacks, like they have these Neapolitan Oreos. 
Oh yeah. Um, they have uh, just unique stuff, and it don't last long, so you got to eat it within a couple of days. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Ice cream. I would always make sure that the chocolate never touched the vanilla or the strawberry. Oh, like, you kind of keep. Was, you kind of like to segment your food. I was. Or? I, was the, I, I did that, with, especially with. That's an unfortunate that's why my set mom of sense. Because because you know they come together. You had to cut them. Cut them. In, you so you would yeah. cut them. Cut them in like strips, right? I, I, you know, I'm very picky when it comes I get to it. Chocolate. Okay. I'm allergic to some, maybe milk chocolate, dark chocolate. Is Do you a blow little, up a bit? Or? A little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm allergic to so many things, and it's not even funny. Mm. That's why I have to go to an allergist. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's not good, but it's not bad either. But case in point, I never liked chocolate even before I was allergic to mm. uh, milk chocolate, I should say. So whenever I'd have ice cream, I would always make sure that the uh, the chocolate would never touch the vanilla. Okay. I always made sure if there was any cross-contamination... I was that OCD growing up. Uh, it wasn't just texture, but it was really anything touching. And well, it was I mean, just the taste. certain it flavors together. It just didn't gel. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, now, now I, I certainly can't have any uh, chocolate with hazelnut. Mm. That would be. It's a wrap. That would. I would be swelling up like a balloon, and Dave would have to find another cushion. <laughs> That's so, not good. No. So. Well, it, we got one yeah right so i i guess just bringing it around and wrapping things up uh man great cereal i hadn't had this one in a while and yeah, uh yeah, it, yeah it's it is it is something a little different like you like you were saying like it's not the like really sugary kids cereal but it's still it's, it's a still classic sweet, taste like, you know kind of br- brings you back somewhere well, yeah people have been eating graham crackers forever in this you know i mean it's been a even i think before cereal you know yep. so yeah but uh yeah. So, uh, any uh, any sort of plugs for your show coming up? You you said you're pretty active in the local music scene too. Any anything going on there? Yeah. Um. It's all it's all sort of uh, fell on my lap as of late. A lot of new stuff. I mean, I've been involved with music for years, writing about it, playing yeah. it. Um. You know. Pull your band. You know, uh, the band is currently that I'm playing with today is the Melted Chapsticks. They're playing in Somerville. Uh, there's this thing that we do. Uh, here in uh, Boston, probably other cities, uh, they have the Porch Fest. I'm sure. Oh, Porch we didn't, Fest. Yeah, I'm sure we didn't come up with that. I never went. I never really, I never cared. And, and, I, and I probably won't really check much of it out. I've just been asked to play. So yeah. um, when, when, you know, when God calls upon me to do the Lord's work. Porch Fest is a fun one. I, I've lived in, lived in Somerville on and off probably twelve out of the last. 15 I, I love years, playing so. guitar. I'm a huge. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of music. Um, but lately, it's been evident to me that this is what I need to go back and do. Um, I'm not yeah. saying I've been a failure in other departments, but um, it's what I need to do. I don't know. You do what you need to do. Yeah. You. Yeah. You. You know, it's like your calling yeah. is something you don't argue with, and I did it for many years, so um, I'm enjoying it. Last, That's great. you know, year I've been sort of active with music, and I got a. Um, this August, I'll be doing a um, pretty big event um, mm-hmm. with some local musicians. We're going to be um, commemorating the last days of Elvis Presley. Oh, cool! Everyone yeah. talks about Elvis, right? Yeah. They know the iconic, but um, it's it's going to be a darker. Uh, take on some of his music oh interesting and um so we're not talking like last days like bloated vegas oh no we're talking we're talking about um what happens to 
people that people don't like to uh, focus on. What happens to yeah, famous people? Fame is, fame is something that needs to be looked back on. We won't get into that yeah. right now. But, yeah, that's a big uh, topic right yeah, now. Yeah, fa- fame, fame is um, a tough one to wrap your head around. And it all kind of begins with Elvis in a sense in terms of what to do and what not to do and what happened and what to make sure what doesn't happen. Um, but Elvis was a badass. He had style. Um, he was he was trying to reinvent himself. Um, he just couldn't succeed because people wanted that image and that sort of cookie cutter knowledge of who he was, the yeah. icon. So this steps out of sort of Elvis's comfort zone, uh, his spiritual side, his sort of reckless side, and all the songs and um, that was sort of <clears throat> he was trying to work with at that time. So it's a doctor take on it. But yeah, that's so I'm, you know I'm all, I'm always doing. Someone just recently called me and they're like, "You're an entertainment gypsy." I like that. Like, I'll go with it. So, so this Elvis project, or is, is this like a recording, or are you guys like? Well, have, no, it's uh, just um, like it's just a love of pe- some you know people that I can find in this area who truly are, like understand or are very passionate about him as a man. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm just tired of I'm I mean honestly I'm just tired of the gossip about celebrities and everyone acts like they know and they think they know what happened or yeah. that they were there and you know they're. You could find dirt on anybody, but you know, I mean, there's a there's good in people too, as well yeah. as there's a lot of bad. And um, acknowledge the bad; you don't have to invest in it. But um, there are reasons why people fall short and make mistakes, and um, it sucks. I don't know. I can um, I don't know really what the answer is, but um, there's a side to me that I just can't condemn people, and yeah. it could be good or bad. I don't. I, a lot of people don't love the quality, but they're just like. I, that, I man, that's so admirable in these days. Like you can't give everyone are, a pass. People but are so quick to judge. Maybe it's the internet or whatever. I even find myself doing it sometimes when just like, you know, f- Facebook. I'll credit yeah. it to really. It's just. I think my mom never liked Elvis Presley, and I think there was a lot of people of color who never liked Elvis Presley because he probably took a lot from black artists. But there were a mm. lot of black people who so, love Elvis Presley because I he. Will, yeah. Put rock and roll on the map, and will, he I, felt that he wasn't trying to misappropriate. And so you have a mix of people. I loved Jailhouse Rock as a kid, yeah. and I appreciated it as I got older. It's probably my favorite Elvis Presley film because he did I don't know how many. Let me tell you one thing quickly, and you guys don't have to put this in your podcast. But yeah, by you, all means, no. if, if if you want to keep it, that's fine. But I would love to, if you cut it. I would love it because I. I definitely have a place for this particular well, conversation yeah, yeah of course <clears throat> sure um but you know elvis man like you know what you said sort of there's sort of a, like a what if like racially was he cool or not and chuck d put that into a lot of people's heads right. chuck d yeah. is even yeah. chuck chuck d's even come back since and apologized and said john wayne yeah fuck john wayne but elvis he's cool james brown called elvis the hardest working man in show business yeah. loved him right elvis growing up was really allured by black the black women and black boys and like mainly the church mm-hmm. he yeah his um his love for the gospel music he wasn't getting that in some of the churches that he was going to so these guys on the sundays would skip church some days or just like yeah. they'd all like go and sneak and sneak in the window and watch the gospel choir it resonated with him jerry lee lewis all these guys who were definitely um came from the mold of a racist institutional society. Yeah. But Elvis stood up against it um, by by 
Yeah, he made money off of bringing black music to the forefront, but um, he he didn't do that. The Colonel did. The record companies did that. They did it with the doo-wop guys. They did it with all the black artists. You know, they took what they they took all the yeah. the goodness away. Right. They did it to Elvis too, but uh, because Elvis was who he was, he sort of had that power because he had that white privilege as a as a pop American pop artist. Yeah. Um, but Elvis helped um, integrate. He was like the great integrator in a pop culture sense between black and white people. If you look at the state of Tennessee, you have Nashville, known for its country. which and Memphis, yeah. Known for the blues, for soul, and for black power rights and everything that was going on there. You had a lot. You look at the 50s and the 60s, the civil rights movement. Elvis wasn't speaking about it. He wasn't getting political. He got ridiculed for not, but <clears throat> he had a career to protect. Well, later on, he did get kind of political, that image of him standing next to Nixon right. as he was a DEA agent. Ooh, well, that, I think that that's hurt right. his credibility. Well, the draw, yeah, well, that's his decline, and that's where people started, and the media started making fun of him. Um, I have a, I, I mean, I, I can take a joke and all that, but when it comes down to, like, the what really what this man was going through and a mental illness, a very serious level, we shouldn't laugh at this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And um, we should look at it closely. Um, <clears throat> so, um, before I, before I close with all this though, um, you know, he, he did, he, by just being Elvis Presley, um, you know, he employed a lot of black people like, you know, at Graceland and, um, it doesn't make him, oh, well he must, because he did that, he must be great. No, but he cared and he loved people. He just loved people. He want, um, a lot of the people that worked for him, um, African-American people have come forth and said, he treated me better than anybody has ever treated me. One lady is cook. He bought me my house, bought me a car. He was a good guy. Um, he was complicated and, um. He invited them to his house in Palm Springs. There was a meeting with them. No. No, you. Oh, they. Yeah, because what happened? Because of. But he said that to try to um, contend with them. Because he he came yeah, back. He sense. he got out. He got out of the military and came back to a different America where the British had invaded America. Rock, rock and roll. But they came back. because saluting Elvis you couldn't kill Elvis because the Beatles and all those guys were inspired by him so you know when it comes down to it the man the man lived a harsh life and um, I don't know you know no one has to like him but, uh, but they have to at least respect and attribute to the fact that he without Elvis they don't like the image yeah right and, and they don't like the image but let's just talk about a man whether he's someone you know or you don't know who has some who has in, uh, mental issues who's killing himself you know well, i mean yeah just just seeing him as a person yeah you, you know sad like, like it, it's been yeah. it's been long enough now that like people look at him like as a character or right. as a, almost as a caricature of himself sort <clears throat> yeah. of like it's the image he more became than that the towards guy. the end yeah. because he forced himself he's not a guy that would give up like yeah. prince he yeah. would force himself prince different story but um with elvis elvis was like oh, i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm like i'll keep going you know no one's gonna i can't stop but then he was getting defeated towards the end he would show up at shows just like talking going on rants yeah, and then just like, you know, veering off, and then oh, 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 you know, and then he'd yell at his backup. So he's like, God damn, and then he's like, you know, you son of a bitches. And he's like, Tom, sorry to the girls, and he'd just have a whole thing up there, and be like, Elvis, let's get to the song. Yeah. I, I mean, not to keep going further into you know, 
celebrity or whatever but like like what you're saying like these people are people like you you saw that like a couple years ago with kanye west like clearly going through some mental health issues and being you know propped up on stage and handed a microphone or you know cameras shoved in his face for a reality show who knows what he's got some stuff going on right yeah and i mean you know who knows what he's going through there's definitely an oddity to his uh behavior and um you know, his marriage to me never fit the pieces, but um, whatever. Two people are together. It's it's the celebrity thing that you just doesn't you can't see through. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think people just like to shit on other people because it makes them feel good. And it's empowering. It's tribal. It's empowering yeah. to people, You're but it's weak. Performing for it's weak. Know, large crowds. Yeah. Very well, man. I, I know you're absolutely right. You're working your your nine to five job, or maybe you're working overtime, and you're unhappy with your wage. So you have to look at an artist who has to be outrageous because that's his job. Whether we like it or not, Kanye, he might be a jackass, but you know what? He's outrageous. Axl Rose back in the '90s. Yeah. I actually consider Kanye to be kind of a hip hop version of Axl Rose. Mm. It, it, a great artist, hit or miss. Uh, puts on a great show sometimes, throws a tantrum, and then walks off stage. But he's outrageous for a reason. You have to be outrageous, especially in this day and age. That's his style. That's his branding. Yeah. I don't personally think his music is as good as College Dropout when, no. he, came back in 20, when he came out in 2003. But he had to evolve. And that's where... I think he's at right now. Maybe maybe he shouldn't be up there with, with Donald Trump. I thought that was an interesting... That, in my opinion, you know if he is suffering from any like illness or whatever it is, I don't know. But um, I would have advised that if I was Donald Trump's advisor, I'd say no. And I would have told Kanye, nope. But <clears throat> Elvis got in to meet Nixon. Kanye got in to meet Trump. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not comparable by men at all nixon compared to trump two different men elvis and kanye but they're but in terms of where they are on a certain status and what they expect and what they you know they're still sort of you know iconic whether you whether it's good or bad icon you know i don't know um but yeah Yeah, I'm excited. That's, that's, that's really cool. So I, that the music venture is something that I've gotten myself back into, and I'm I don't know, you know, it's really it's it's definitely a, it's definitely a better direction, a change. It's not stagnant because for a yeah. while I haven't been doing Charles River Show. I plan on starting Charles River Show again, but I'm bringing it back as a podcast. So nice. um, check out the stuff that's already over at the Charles River Show. Uh, it's really com good interviews or, up on there. Yeah, and um, you know, just Google Charles River Show, you'll find it. And um, lot of stuff on there as well as articles. And then when I return, I do sort of have a, better, a different motive of um, types of interviews I'm going to do. So, but uh, well, yeah, and, you know, if if any there's any sort of like special launch or you have you know something that needs a plug by by all means. Oh, thank you. No, that would be know. great. We'll yeah, them beforehand. I, I, so. I mean, I, I want to return on the iTunes format rather yeah. than coming off every week and yeah. uh, coming out with my theme song to the Tonight Show. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> the network telling you, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. How'd you find oh, us? Yeah. You interviewed uh, uh, 
what, uh, what's his name? John, um, guy from Seinfeld. Her, Hurley? Oh, Hurley? Oh, Hurley? Yeah. Yeah. That got me in trouble. Really? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's big on, I mean, Seinfeld, yeah. the talk show, and at that time, yeah. it was, uh, it was, thank, I'm sorry, it was Thanksgiving. John, o, John O'Hurley interviewed him, and, uh, because he was going to be at the Comic-Con, so I right. used to interview all the comedians and famous people at the Comic-Cons, yeah. and, um, out, posted that interview and got an email saying, you know, this is regarding blah, 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 blah. And um, you can't use the Tonight Show theme. Oh. It's and, I, and, and they said, we saw it on a couple other ones too. And, you know, this is going to attract attention because of the celebrity. Please remove right. it. Yeah. I never did. And you never got anything. Yeah. People love people love those shows, uh, even though they're the, the criminal. Amount, the amount of effort I'm saying this in front of a copyright. No, the, I'm a criminal. This <laughs> is not legal advice. I what I am about to say is not giving legal advice. Uh, the the amount of effort it takes to send you a threatening letter versus actually you know filing a lawsuit and you know hiring a firm and having someone go in yeah. there like what are they gonna get from you? you no, know? they're not gonna get anything. Yeah, I mean, if they saw I was making money or something, but yeah, it's Google. Yeah, I mean, story. you know, and but I think it was just more of um, a, a courteous thing where it was just like, do you mind removing that? Because that's yeah. what people I do. Mean, Photographers have done it. Yeah. But um, yeah. Well, I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. I yeah, think it's a great podcast. It. This went this went in ways I wasn't expecting. Turned into a really interesting Turn, conversation. That's what happens when yeah, I'm around. You know, I didn't want to veer off topic, so I tried to you know kind of stay up. But um, I'm yeah. glad you guys are very flexible about talking that about because there is a backstory to There's other things you're discussing. Backstory to a backstory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. on iTunes or listening on their phones or Stitcher or wherever, yeah. they're going to be on the edge of their seats because you are a troubadour here in the Boston scene and you really do well, really thank you. keep I, yeah. everybody really, really interested in what you have to say and we look forward to Is that, to you is that the word on the street? <laughs> troubadour, I, like, I do like that. Well, I like the, the troubadour. Gypsy troubadour. Dude that just keeps moving and doing this and that. We look forward to the Charles Rivers podcast mm-hmm. and uh, rest in peace, WEMF Radio. And uh, how can people find your your, your band? Uh, do you have oh, you just go to the Facebook page, the Melted yeah. Chapsticks. It's a party rock band. It's um just it's just it's just a fun band. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I mean, there's a side to me that's very serious, buckles down, tries to work on music and songwrite. This is just stepping out of that. You know, having that's a little great. theatrical fun, playing some. Real popular rock songs, metal songs, and uh, just having fun. When you're having fun, people see that. They have fun, too. So if you're going to come see the Melted Chapsticks and and judge them on how... how inaccurate they play this Judas Priest song today, um, you don't get it. It's supposed to be fun. Absolutely. Leave the negativity (laughs) at home. Right. Melted Chapsticks, Charles Rivers, the Charles Rivers podcast coming soon. Thank you so much Thank you. for being on the frosted side. My pleasure. Thank All right, guys, have a great week. A special thanks to Charles T. Rivers from the Charles Rivers Show. You can check out his podcasts online at thecharlesriversshow.com. Dave, Jess, congratulations, and little baby Lucy, welcome to this wonderful world of ours. Give mom and dad a night off, or at least a Saturday morning. As for me, Dave Morrison... Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time on the Frosted Side.